redo this. We're gonna redo this. We're gonna redo this. They oh, not. I lost it. I looked over. I can't deal with this. Welcome to Fluent Grace, a podcast for students about speaking the gospel into the everyday, ordinary stuff of life. You've got questions, we've got answers. Or at least we will search the scriptures and see how the gospel of grace should inform a response to the questions you have. We love Jesus and we love students, and we hope students will grow to love Jesus more as they encounter Jesus' amazing love for them. Our music for the show is Felix Kulpa by King's Kaleidoscope. What is happening? Welcome into Fluent Grace Podcast, episode number 28. Yo. <laughs> I still don't know what episode <laughs> we're really on. Is it really 28? It is. What are we talking Sweet. about today, Tim? <laughs> There we go, folks. You heard it here first. Tyler rolls up 57 minutes late Look, to, the, to the supposed to be time to record. Look, I forgot what we were doing, okay? <laughs> I, I straight up forgot. I'll be honest. Uh, I have never gotten so many poop emojis until we started doing this podcast and Tyler texts me. The poop emojis are better than the explicatives that I was saying. <laughs> I'm just being honest here. Yeah. I'm going to be honest on yeah. that. I was listening to a radio show this morning where they were talking about cussing. Really? <laughs> they were. Um, and so the host of said radio program is trying to get his co-host, who does not cuss, to say a bad word on the air. Was this Rick and Bubba? No, it was not. <laughs> and so the host was like, okay, on the count of three, let's all say the worst word that we possibly can. And so he goes, one, two, three. And the co-host <laughs> cusses, and he's like, ha, ha, doesn't say anything. Wow. I know. Wow. I was like, the only reason that was funny at all is because of how immature it was. <laughs> I feel like I did that at the middle school lunch table. Yeah, exactly. And here, these are professionals getting paid to be on the radio. Anyway, we're not that immature, are we? Maybe. Yeah. Sometimes. Mm. Yeah, every now and then. Uh, we're going to just jump into some stuff here, but before we do, I want to bring back the old Facebook memories segment. So what we're going to do is, we got three of us around the table here, myself, Tyler, and Colin. We are pulling up, as we speak, the Facebook app and are going to our memories. So for the length of time that we've had Facebook, they have been tracking everything we have said and done, and we are going to share those with you. Oh, dude, we were in New York three years ago today. Yeah, that. we were. What is today? 20, I for real don't know what today is. 22nd? All right, 22nd. Colin, have you ever been to New York? I have not. You should go. I think I'll go someday. Yeah. I'll kick us off here. Uh, on November 22nd, 2018, so this was just last year. My uh, status was this. For everyone who had to make tough decisions today, I hope they all worked out as well as the, the decision I made to skip the salad for everything else. <laughs> it's a well thought out. Um, Sounds like a Thanksgiving. How many years ago was that? It was Thanksgiving. This was Thanksgiving last year. Uh, on this day 12 years ago, Tyler LaFoy is Happy Turkey Day. <laughs> That's a good one there. Yeah. Um, let's see. Colin, seven years ago. 
posted a picture of a bonfire with the caption, fire with my best friend. Mm. <laughs> 11 years ago, I was having yet another awesome weekend. <laughs> this is before I had kids. Nine years ago. I don't have anything farther than nine years ago. So nine years ago, I'm going to submit right now. I did not make this status, but of course I can't prove it. Oh, I'm, I'm not buying it. It says this. Oh, a hunting we will go, a hunting we will go. We will catch a little fox and put it in the box and never let it go. We'll eat him. That's the most homeschool kid status <laughs> I've heard in my life. <laughs> Dr. Seuss no, over there. Dude, that was so post-homeschool life. I had graduated college by then. <laughs> How many years ago? <laughs> Nine years ago. Oh, yeah. We I've are graduated college. I forgot about this. It's kind of embarrassing. I don't want to read these anymore. I know. Uh, well, let's see. Ten years ago, I was speaking uh, in the KJV. Oh, school, how I dislike thee. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I only had one memory from this date, so... <laughs> I don't uh, post on Facebook much. New age Three props. years ago, when we were in New York, I put this. Uh, what happens when you're from Alabama and don't know what you're doing on the New York subway? Question mark. You get stuck on it for a very long time. Um, this you remember true. that? I did. We ended up in almost D.C. Oh, it my felt goodness. Like. Dude, so <laughs> me and Tyler get on the subway. What are we going to do? We're going to, like, remember. pick up remember. something in downtown Manhattan. <laughs> and the girls are staying at the hotel. We're going to come back and pick them up. So we hop on the subway and go the exact opposite direction from where we need to be. Such a cluster. <laughs> and we don't realize it until probably three or four stops down the down the train. It yeah. was it was bad. And then we did the same thing that night with all of us. We get back on the subway to go to the hotel, mm. and we miss the uh, like connecting subway or whatever. And so we're literally halfway into New Jersey. <laughs> you know, I'm one of those people that enjoys people watching. You know there's people in those big cities that just sits back and watches the rednecks from Alabama that come up and try to ride oh, the subway. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. That would be me. <laughs> I totally would do that. Yeah. Well, he has no clue where he's going. No. <laughs> he's just riding. No. Let's see. I, anytime we travel, we get screwed up like that. We did that in Boston or wherever we were, Maine, with our little uh, – I remember that. On the hike. Six-hour hike. Yeah. yeah. So basically, if you're traveling with me or Tyler, prepare to get lost and spend a whole lot of time doing nothing. Or when we first got there, we're like, the trail's just right down the road. <laughs> it's just three miles down the road. <laughs> so Carl and Tim went on a brisk run back to get the oh, car. Oh, yeah, we did that too. Yep. Shoot. Tyler and Heather, Heather were getting there. dominated by 10 foot mosquitoes, <laughs> sucking my blood. Oh, I'm ready to go on another trip. Let's do it. Yep. I don't even think I, I don't know. That's it? You That's don't have it. any more memories, Colin? That's it. Just the one. Man, what a boring life you lead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Live. Whatever. Nine years ago, I was saying that I love Christmas presents online. It's just so much easier. I guess because you just buy them yourself. You know, buy presents for yourself. <laughs> uh, is, did anybody ever watch the show Human Target? I did not. I had a status in 2010... Tim Wilson is super glad Human Target is back back on. It is possibly my favorite TV show ever. It is. It sounds I like have a, no idea. It sounds like a Hunger Games type movie. What in the world? I, I have show? no idea. I don't remember that show. I don't know anything about that show. Mm. But at one point in your life, you really loved it. I did. Somebody in the comments said that I needed to watch 24. 
and I told them that Human Target beats it. <laughs> I mean, it's the best show ever. These kids, they get weapons and they go hunt each other, you know? <laughs> Solid entertainment. Hey, all right. I'm going to go down this memory trail a little bit. I'm going to read the comments as well, okay? All right. All right, so after that status, comment number one, you need to watch 24. My response, I have. Human Target beats it. Comment number two, watch season four again, then apologize for your sacrilege. <laughs> My response, nah, debating personal opinion is pretty much a no-win proposition, so I will stick with my original what statement. in the world? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have zero recollection of that. So Here's a meme I posted uh, one year ago of a dude with makeup on it. says, Falcons fans be like, girl, I'm about to rise up. <laughs> I hate this the coming from a Saints fan. Yeah, I hate yep. the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, and so, they're trash this year. Just throwing that out that's there. True. But they beat the Saints. <laughs> so I don't know how the crap that happened. Literally, we're we're seven and two. No, we were we were one and seven. No, we were seven and one, and they were one. This and seven. folks is a dedicated Saints yeah. fan, right? Here. We are seven and one, and they were one and seven, and they beat us. And I'm like, are you flipping kidding me? <laughs> Matty Ice, man. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's what why you don't today, get Tim? invested in NFL football. Tim, what are we talking about today before I use this explicative emoji? <laughs> Tyler's sending out poop emojis again. So here's what we're talking about. We'll jump right into it. Um, uh, you actually brought us a question earlier in the week. I did. You did. Um, so I'm going to let you set up said question, and then we will discuss it. Okay. So here's the context been walking with a uh, friend who is asking some questions regarding his faith um, and just the Christian faith in general. And we were talking about, oh Lord, I don't remember where we were going with this. I think we were talking about election, actually. That probably sounds about right. Um, but anyways. 2020 election? Uh, definitely not. Uh, oh. Before the foundation of the world election. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so. BFW election. That's right. Frozen chosen. Yeah. You know, hard duck, duck, um, <laughs> other things. So, um, so we were talking about that and he, somehow we started talking about hell and God's, um, God's presence. And so I talked about how our sin separates us from God and how God can't be in the presence of sin. Oh, I remember. And so 2 Corinthians 5.21, and we were talking about the great exchange and how on the cross Christ becomes our curse. Um, yeah, you can pull that. You can read that if you want to. Uh, Christ becomes our curse on the cross. You want to read that? 2 Corinthians 5.21? Yeah. It says, For our sake he, uh, God, made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right, and so Luther coined that the Great Exchange, um, and so we were talking about that, and how when he was on the cross, the Father, he can't look at the Son, and that's the first time that the Son's experienced separation from the Father. Um, but anyways, we started talking about God's presence and how he, he brought up the psalm where it says, uh, the psalmist talks about, I make my bed in Sheol, you are there, you know, everywhere I go, you're there, Um and I would say, you know, that's a solid, you know, that's a solid biblical teaching that God is at all places. 
Um, and then we started getting on the topic of hell, and he's like, so who created hell? And I was like, well, God created hell. I mean, who else? And he, uh, who else would make it? And then he was like, who is God present here on earth with us? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you're a believer, you get the promised Holy Spirit. And he's like, okay, so so God is in hell? He's Is he present in hell? And I'm like, okay, where are you going with this, dude? And he's like, so God is present here amongst us, and we're de- we still deal with sin even though we are justified. You know, we still deal, believers deal with indwelling sin, right? And he's like, so is God present in that? And he, and then so it, the question just kind of um, circled around: if God is Lord over all things, then where is He in the presence of evil? Does God orchestrate evil? Does He not orchestrate evil? And so that was kind of the question, and I was like, that's a really, really good question, of which I want to think more about before we have a more in-depth conversation, of which I still don't have a solid um, good answer. Um, I'm working, I'm reading, and I'm researching, and I'm looking, um, because this dude is smart. Um, He's super smart. Is he a believer? Uh, Does he claim? claim He would say he's working through things. Okay. So... um, but yeah, yeah, that's tough. So that's where we're at. There we go. That's what we are going to attempt to uh, discuss here in the next, oh, I don't know, fifteen minutes, <laughs> twenty minutes. We're going to solve the problem of evil and sin. And, and, and I'm just saying, R.C. Sproul, the, the great yeah. theologian, he wrestled with the same question. Yep. Augustine wrestled with the same question, and so this great. is this is a this is an old question. Um, that's that hasn't been fully answered in two thousand years. So you know what that tells me. We're Why not, not going, another two thousand years. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to fully understand this uh, this side of heaven. Mm. And R.C. Sproul is way smarter than I am. So, yes, he is. And so is Augustine. So. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, or Augustine, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> so yeah, first thought is, um, yeah, we are, we are not going to be able to fully comprehend the answer to that question. And really, there there's multiple questions that were within that. Uh, so you've got the question of hell, you've got the question of sin, and you've got the question of evil. All those are kind of combined in there. And where is God in all of those things? Right. Those are three things that none of us like. Uh, well, it could be argued that folks like their sin. But anyway, uh, from the perspective of one who follows Christ, those are all things that we do not want to participate in or be near. And so, yes, if we want to be with Christ, how does... How does that desire um, line up with those three things? Mm. Well, yeah. Like Tim's saying, the great theologian Tyler LaFoy, the great theologian Colin Sherrill, and the great theologian Tim Wilson are not going to be able to give you a perfect answer to this because it hasn't been answered over the 2,000 years. Um, But I would start with how do you personally define sin, Tyler? An offense to God, right? So, or uh, anything that uh, that that mars what God created you to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. So mine personally would be a disobedience to God. So the first sin that was ever committed was do not eat from the tree of good and evil. That's what God told Adam and Eve not to do. And what did they did they or what did they do? They ate from it. So they directly disobeyed God, and there was a 
um, separation. Uh, that was the first sin which separated us from God. And I think going into the question of hell, and not to dig into it too much, is you think about um, Lucifer, who is the devil. He wanted to be God. The other angels, archangels of death, wanted to be God. And we still deal with that today. Um, I feel like, you know, if I'm answering personally, the people who are going to be condemned to hell are people who think that they can be the God of their lives and that they can control all circumstances when in reality you can't. And not that it will be a... uh, not like they would say that. Right, right. right. Nobody's going to go out and say it. Some folks would, but <laughs> the vast majority of folks who are apart from Christ are not going to claim their own personal divinity. Right, right. Yeah. Right? But it's something that because of the sin nature in all of us, we will struggle with. And mm-hmm. without Christ, that's exactly how we're going to live. Yep. I'm going to live for myself every single day. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about either of you guys. I care about myself and what will make myself happy and fulfilled and successful and all those things, which is just another way to say I'm my own God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So uh, we're not saying in, in any form that people are going to just walk around saying, hey, I'm God. However, that's how folks tend to live. Yep. So me and my homie were talking about this. We were talking about this via text, same conversation that we're having right now. Um, and we started talking about R.C. Sproul. So y'all know R.C. Sproul is a uh, late um, Presbyterian theologian pastor. Um, super smart. Anyways, he talks about this same topic. And so this topic that we can wrap it, wrap a word around, theological word of the day, is theodicy. And so theodicy is the vindication of divine goodness um, and providence in the in view of the existence of evil. So in other words... Theodicy is the answer to the question of why God permits evil. So that's that's what we're talking about, is this theodicy. Why does God um, allow evil to happen, or um, what, is it, what does it mean for God to be present in evil things? And so um, R.C. Sproul says this. Um, he said, in essence, he says a lot of things. There's a podcast. Uh, you can go listen to it for yourself, R.C. Sproul on theodicy. T-H-E-O-D-I-C-Y, Google it and check it out. Um, But he says that he doesn't know, uh, necessarily know the origin of evil, but that he does say that he agrees with Augustine or Augustine that in some sense, quote-unquote, in some sense, God does ordain evil. And then he used uh, Joseph and his brothers as an example. Joseph sold off into slavery, but his divine purposes is obviously carried out through that. Um, but he goes on to say that God is sovereign, sovereign over all things, and in some way, in some way, that includes evil. And I would say, yeah, I would, I would agree with R.C. Sproul, you know. But you know, we need to be careful that we don't take a statement like that and cause it to totally rock our world, um, because now we're starting to blame God for all evil. Mm. That's where we have to be real careful. Um, And there's a line that that can be crossed between knowing uh, something that may be theologically correct and sound versus what can and will be personally helpful. 
this is one of those things and one of those topics that, let's say someone is going through a situation where there is much evil involved, okay? You don't just walk up to them and say, uh, yeah, R.C. Sproul says that God, uh, in some sense, orchestrates this evil you're going through. That's not going to be real helpful. So while it is theologically correct, we need to figure out, okay, how do we express this in a way that is practically helpful? Right. And that's the piece of it. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And and that was you know that's kind of where mine and my friend's conversation went. The going back to the coffee shop is like I, he's like, I just can't believe in a God, you know that allows destruction, and uh, you know tsunamis and earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes to wipe out cities and thousands of people. Um, like I can't I can't believe in a God that would allow that. And so my theology, being reformed, I would say. And and there's a way to say this. I'm saying this more bluntly than I would put it with him. Um, so if you're listening, yeah, and if you're questioning these things, us. I'm just going to give you the blunt answer. But there's probably a nicer way to put this. Yeah. Um, the reality that God allows any good to happen to a sinner is grace. Mm-hmm. We all deserve to be wiped out by every tsunami ever uh, that comes into existence. That's what we deserve. But God in his grace allows, you know, allows some of us not to ever experience those things. Um, and, and that's what goes, that's the whole thing with election. And that's what I was getting at. You know, like, how could a God, how could a loving God uh, not uh, not choose some? I would, and I would argue, why would a loving God choose some? <laughs> you know, like a holy God who is so other, why would he choose some sinners? Um and so that's kind of where that's kind of yeah. where my brain um, kind of goes. With yeah, it. this is a uh, age-old discussion yeah. that you've got folks from every background and denomination and um, upbringing and whatever. Um, I think the hip word to say is folks from different camps. Isn't that what they say these days? I'm in such and such a camp, or Mm -hmm. I'm in this camp over here with this person. Anyway, it it doesn't matter what camp you're in. uh, There's not a uh, satisfying answer Mm. apart from recognizing God's sovereignty and recognizing that my responsibility is not to question the things that are happening. Though I may do that, Right? I'm not saying in any way that I just have to take all the bad stuff that happened and say, well, that was God's plan for me, so I'm just going to sit around and hate God because of it. No, that's not it at all. However, I'm, I'm making the assumption that we're coming at this from a biblical background. Um, Hebrew says, without faith it is impossible to please God. He's not just talking about faith in the good and easy situations. He's talking about faith in any and all situations. Uh, so that's that's got to be my foundation in those situations. Mm-hmm. Can I explain how exactly to do that? No. Can I explain how it is that uh, God may have some part to play in ordaining evil or sin or death? No, I can't explain that. Um, and I and I don't think anybody will. 
I mean, at the root, it's a pre, it's a presuppositional apologetic. So you you don't get to define who God is and what He does. Okay, like, and that's what Paul Paul talks about at the. So Paul gives this huge discourse on election and God's sovereign choice on Romans nine through eleven. Um, I'm just talking about election because that's where this converse, our original conversation was tied into this. God, uh, God, Paul gives this huge discourse on this. Um, and then he gives this beautiful example because he's like, I know this is going to trigger these people when I tell them this. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah. okay, while, while your blood's boiling and you're triggered at what I'm telling you, um, you don't get to define this – is, this is the message version. This is Tyler's message version. Uh, you don't get to define who God is. Like, you don't have the right as a creature. You don't have the, def- the right to define the creator. And he, he gives an example of, uh, of clay. He says, is, is the clay going to say to its molder, why did you make me like this? Why did you do this to me? No, because you're a freaking wad of clay. Like, clay don't talk to the creator, okay? And so that's, and that's what Paul gets at. And then what is beautiful and, and, and what I think we have to hold on to is Paul's discourse ends in a doxology. And so a doxology, doxology is a worship. And so he ends in Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. So all these things that I'm talking about, this election, is, this, is does God, where is God at in evil? Where is he working in all this? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to rest in that. Because he's king over it all, so that's what Paul did. That's, that's what, what I, that's what, what I'm resting in. But I understand that people still want to ask questions, and that's fine to ask questions. Yeah, and to, uh, we will ask questions. I mean, there will come situations in our lives. You know, we may have a theological understanding of how this stuff works out. Maybe we don't. Um, we are going to be faced with situations in life that we do not understand, and quite possibly that we do not appreciate. Right, I, that's going to happen. Uh, welcome to life on a fallen earth, mm-hmm. fallen planet. Um, so I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned in connection with this conversation uh, at the beginning, and that's the idea of God uh, being in the presence of or looking upon sin. Because if I remember right, that was one of the the points that he was making, right, or right. questions he was asking. Um, and so I want to bat that around a little bit. Can God look on sin, or can God be in the presence of sin? Are those is that the same question, or are those two different questions in y'all's mind? Can God look upon sin, and can God be in the presence? Mm. I don't know how the. And my brain to to look upon something is to be present in it. And I could be missing mm. something. I'm I'm not. Maybe I'm missing something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I hear it, I comprehend it as kind of two different ways. He, he can, God can be, he can be around sin, but he can't be in sin. So when Jesus came to earth, he was fully man. He was around a lot of sin. I mean, he hung out with the thieves and tax collectors and prostitutes yeah. of the land. They were very much in sin. So he was around those sins and was able to, I mean, he was fully human. He had those temptations, but he didn't give in to those temptations. And that's what made him fully man, was that he was tempted by the devil in the 
in the wilderness. Um, and so I think that's the way I would answer that question. Well, and, you know, you bring up his uh, being with Satan in the wilderness. He was in the presence of sin, mm-hmm. like living, breathing sin, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, think back to in Job when Satan comes before God. You know, have you considered my servant Job? God was in the presence of sin at that point. But like you said, you know, he wasn't active in it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what does Jesus say to his disciples? Um, I think it's Jesus talking to his disciples, saying uh, you're to be in the world but not of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very uh, similar, or I think that's a helpful statement to remember that Jesus said, uh, hey, you're going to be in the world. You're going to be in a place that is sinful and that does things that are contrary to my plans and purposes and will. Uh, you're going to be in it. You can't get out of it, uh, but you're not to engage in it, no. right? Um, I think the, as I was looking at this a little bit, uh, Habakkuk one thirteen is a verse a lot of folks will look to. And kind of going back a few episodes ago, again, probably 10 or 12 episodes ago, uh, we talked about verses taken out of context. So Philippians 4.13, <laughs> Matthew 6.33, Jeremiah 29.11, things like that. I think Habakkuk one thirteen is one of those as well that we could have included. Pause just a second. Somebody asked me a question about the podcast, and they said, well, how far into the Bible do y'all really dig into? We're reading Habakkuk right here, <laughs> folks. <laughs> this is about as in the middle of the Bible as you can get. <laughs> What a great question that person had. I hope you're listening right now, person who asked Colin this. <laughs> we are digging into Habakkuk. That's right. And this country boy probably couldn't even spell that. <laughs> That's right. I even spelled it the right way when I typed it in my computer earlier, and Google said, no, you spelled it wrong. I'm like, no, I didn't. It's in the Bible like that. <laughs> it is spelled this way. Take that, Google. Take it. Anyway, Habakkuk 1.13 says this. You who are, this is Habakkuk talking to God, uh, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. That's a description of God that the prophet Habakkuk is talking about. I think that's a verse that a lot of folks go to when they claim God cannot look at evil. You know, well, God is so holy and pure and big and powerful and all these things that, you know, my sin of gossip or anger or lying, that's such an offense to him that he now cannot even look upon that sin. And I think this is the verse that is used kind of as a proof, if you will, of that statement. Uh, what would y'all's response to be to something like that or to that comment or even to this verse, right? What would you say, uh, let's say you're just reading through Habakkuk and you get to this verse. Colin, do you have the verse pulled up over there? By any chance. What was the, is it 113? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you who are of pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you, I'm drawing a blank on how to pronounce that word, look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he you wanted to say trailers, didn't you? <laughs> Who's looking at trailers? Are they double wide or single? <laughs> oh, Habakkuk, we love you. Mm, killing me, Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a redneck. 
the redneck prophet. <laughs> Got to have one of those somewhere. Yeah, okay, so you just read the whole verse there, yeah. which is good, which is what I was wanting. Okay. Because as soon as you get past the line that says God cannot look at wrong, what does it say? Habakkuk then asked God, why do you idly look at traitors? So he says, God can't look at wrong, and then he says, God, why are you looking at wrong? Okay? So this is just another one of those examples where we have to take Scripture in context. We can't pull lines or words or even verses out without understanding the context of what they are talking about. That's true. I don't think Habakkuk here is saying that God cannot look at sin. If that were truly the case, God would never have looked at me and rescued me. Mm. Right? Yep. Because I'm a sinner. He would never have looked at anyone who is in sin and brought them out of that to bring them to himself if he could not even look at sin. Right. So, again, we need to be careful of, of taking verses like this. Um, if you read all of Habakkuk, uh, go listen to podcasts about Habakkuk. Fascinating. <laughs> Our, uh, uh, I was listening to one earlier today. Piper preaches on Habakkuk. Uh, Driscoll preaches on Habakkuk. Good stuff, so I would encourage folks to go listen to those. Habakkuk 2.14 is, is a phenomenal verse. Let's Just shall live by faith. Read it. Read it, Timothy. Habakkuk 2.14. It's a good promise. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. That's good news. That is good news. So, I think another interesting thing that we haven't even hit on yet, looking at evil, and the Lord, origins... What about the cross? So look up Isaiah 53. I think it's Isaiah 53.10 is the, is the verse that I'm thinking of. Um, this is talking, obviously this is prophesying, Isaiah's prophecy about the Christ that is to come. So Isaiah 53.10 says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, and will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So read the very first part of that one more time. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. So the cross is not reactive. So. Were the Roman soldiers and the people of Israel sinning when they put Jesus on the cross? Or were they carrying out prophecy? Or are both of those things... Can both of those things happen in at the same time? Now we're back around to Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. There are secret things that belong to the Lord your God. There we go. We're right back around to where we started. Right? Does God ordain and orchestrate evil? Um, uh, this verse speaks to yes. The cross was ordained and orchestrated. Uh, yes, murder is evil and a sin. Absolutely. So I would say that those who engaged in the Killing of Jesus, yeah, of course they were sinning. Yeah, I mean, what what, the, what does the word the scripture say? You put him to death. <laughs> you know, it didn't say. Oh, by the way, God put him to death. No, you did it. Right, he was put to death at the hands of lawless men, is what the scriptures say. Yes, uh, but that verse that you just referenced from 20, uh, Deuteronomy is huge. There are things that we cannot understand, um, and that you may never understand because you're not privy to it. Yeah, we probably won't. I'm gonna go with we won't. Uh, I have no 
um, you know, grand idea that at some point in my life, I will be able to understand every verse in Scripture. As much as I would love that to happen, I know some very wise individuals. Um, uh, I was up at my grandparents' house the other day. My granddad's been preaching the Word for what seems like a thousand years. All right, and I remember having the conscious thought, man, I want to be like this guy. He would be the first one to admit that he does not understand everything that's given in Scripture. Uh, my guess is that if we talked about this very subject with him, he would have some ideas and have some thoughts and be able to point to some Scriptures and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But in terms of fully understanding it and knowing exactly how that works out in the lives of men and women today, he would probably land in the same place that we're landing right now. We know what Scripture says. How does that all work out? We don't really know. Let's Going back to the doxology. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And rest there and be okay with it. Yeah. And it's okay in one sense. So, yes, in one sense we're to worship the Lord in the midst of these things that we don't understand. Uh, In another sense, it's okay to be frustrated about it. Absolutely. That's what Habakkuk's all about. If you read Habakkuk, it is about him getting frustrated at God. God, why are you doing this? Why did you set up these situations here? Uh, why are this, or why is this people, the Chaldeans, coming to attack my people of Israel? And God takes his frustrations and he listens to them. Um, so it's okay to be frustrated, but Habakkuk comes to a place of worship. If you look in chapter 3, let me get back to it because I went to your passage in Isaiah here. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 3, the heading says Habakkuk rejoices in the Lord. So even though he's frustrated at all the stuff that's happening around him, even though he's frustrated at the sin people are engaging in, he says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, that's a picture of something very bad. There's no food, there's no livestock, there's no way to make clothing, okay? So he says, though I am at the very lowest of the low, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength, he makes my feet like the deer's, he makes me tread on high places. And that's how the book closes. Yep. So Habakkuk was frustrated. It's like, God, I don't understand this. I don't like this. I wish you would have done it a different way. But he comes back to, hey, even if everything is as bad as it can get, I will still worship the Lord. Amen. That's what Habakkuk says. That's true. And that's what we should say. Amen. So can we understand this fully? Absolutely not. Hmm. Uh, are you going to get all the answers you want on our you know, teeny little podcast that reaches however many people we reach no hate to break it to you we're not that smart yeah. i again i think it ends um i think it ends in the doxology yep. just like you said it is that's how it ended with there that's how paul you know dealt with it um and 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 thinking back one of y'all mentioned job earlier you want to talk about a brother who just had the short end of the stick okay like the dude loved the lord and then Satan comes to, to God and is like, hey, well, let me test your homie over there. Let's see how much he really loves you. And so, yeah, I mean, he, 
he goes in there, takes his family, his wife. I mean, it's, it is a genuine cluster for Job. And then Job had some really crappy friends, you know, like – this is just a note. Don't always listen to your friends. Just saying. They're like, why don't you? Why don't you just go curse this God that you, that you worship, Job? But like, look at what He's done to you. Like, what are you doing, Job? And then Job listens to his friends and he questions the Lord. Like, why is all this happening to me? Like, I've been faithful. Like, what's going on? And here's <laughs> here's how the Lord deals with Job. Um, hey, Job, where were you at? When I laid the foundation of the earth, tell me if you have understanding, Job. Hey, Job, who determined its measurements? Surely you know, Job. Um, who stretched the line upon it? Uh, what, what, what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone? Um, the stars? You know, who, who put all those out there, Job? You know, and so it just goes to show you, again, we're the clay. He's the molder. Don't forget that. And you're questioning. It's okay to question, but at the end of the day, you're still a wad of clay. <laughs> but it, even though you're a wad of clay, you're a wad of clay that the creator and the molder treasures and values. And so. And sent Jesus to a earth full of clay wads to die. As a clay wad. As a clay wad yeah. to die because he loves us. That's it. That's what we're talking about. Colin, wrap us up. I love how we get so deep into theology and the book of Habakkuk, and I have to wrap us up with the crazy Guinness World Record. Hopefully you have one on evil. <laughs> no, I didn't necessarily line this one up. Um, you ever uh, been driving on a old country road, two-lane road? <laughs> And you, uh, the, there's a tractor on the road, and it's going like 12 miles an hour. Y'all ever had that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this guy said, now, nah, no more of them slow tractors. The Guinness World Record for the fastest moving tractor on land. How fast do you think this tractor got up to? Are we, like, cutting grass with this tractor? or no, we're just going down the road. Bailing hay? We're going down the road oh, with this tractor. Uh, and it's a big one too. So, so how fast is it? Yeah, yeah, miles per hour. I'm gonna say 30 miles an hour. I was gonna go 50. 135 <laughs> miles an hour in a tractor. <laughs> what kind of tires does this thing have on it? Can you imagine how quick you could cut your grass with that thing? <laughs> oh my God. You wouldn't have any grass; it shred it all up. Nah, you wouldn't even need blades. Bit. You just run over that thing with the tires, and dude, that, that that grass would be running away. I mean, it put some slicks on this thing and just spin all over like a. That's right. It's like one of those uh, electric mops you see at the hospital. It's like spinning it all out there. Except the tractor. How awesome would that be? That would be sick. Oh man! Uh, well, that's gotta, it. You folks. gotta put this picture. This picture looks like the Jetsons <laughs> tractor. That's Wait, is that, that it? Yeah, that's I, it. I just sent it to y'all. Dude, that. Hold on, let me see that again. Looks like the little tractor Jace plays with at night. <laughs> oh man! There you go, folks. Go out and buy you a tractor. Uh, and figure out the origin of evil. And, and write a book out. on it and become a millionaire. As long as it's the right answer. Yeah. Mm. We don't want any more of this. Keep you know. your heresy to yourself. Yeah. No more bad theology. 
That's it, folks. We have wrapped up another episode. Thanks for sticking around with us and uh, listening to the end. There may only be like three people who are listening right now. But anyway, hey, if you're one of those three people, we appreciate you. If we knew your name, we'd give you a shout out. We will talk to you later. Uh, Hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving. We'll get this put out before then. We will not be recording next week. Nope. We'll be uh, consuming some food. Lots of food. That's right. How many plates of food are you going to eat, Colin? At least four. At one sitting? Oh, yeah. Tyler? I have a confession. I'm not a huge fan of Thanksgiving food. Oh, Mm. sinner. Mm. Yep. Not a huge fan. So, maybe one. I might see if I have my fingers crossed if crystals will be open. I might slip by there and get me some food. I think the one of the first times I ever had crystal was probably on a holiday at your house. Because I think like your mom or your sister went and got crystals. We love crystals, man. Yeah. There you go. Go eat a crystal on Thanksgiving and think it's out there. That's right. Laters. Gooses. We out.